And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Friday, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all of you that have served this country. We are always going to be greatly appreciative of all the sacrifices you and your families have always gone through. So definitely want to take a moment to hit that and address that before we get anything else further. Uh, I'm Tommy Garrett, fantasy analyst here at Pro Football Network. And join me as we break down the week 10 slate, start sits, and everything else in between is Jason Katz. You can find over at Jason Katz 13. We had a... The week got off to an interesting start last night as not only was the game on the field a little little dreary, but so was the weather as the outer bands of Hurricane Nicole hit Charlotte last night. And what ended up being a, a totally different game than the one we saw in week eight, but I don't think that was a, a complete surprise as the Carolina Panthers end up pulling off the win at home to move to 3-7, 25-15. The books, Vegas end up cleaning up last night, Cats. Uh, I know for me, I was on the Atlanta side of things. I know you were on the you were on the Carolina side, and I think it definitely worked out for you. It was I was with the public. I, I guess I was a public fool. I saw, I think it was eighty five percent were on Atlanta last night over there on Pickett, and uh, yeah, I think safe to say the uh, the books came out pretty well in a game that did not deserve to be a a sweaty under hit, in my opinion. No, absolutely not. We had a couple you know, random splash plays that resulted in touchdowns, which kind of pushed the game more toward the over. Also, a couple turnovers contributed to that as well. But yeah, I, I just didn't I didn't think that the Falcons were just going to sweep the Panthers. I know that it, it's it's easy to look at what happened in the previous game and go, okay, that's that's just going to happen again. But just the, the circumstances of this game being on a short week in in crummy weather, it just it added up to what we both believe would be a low-scoring game. Yeah. And I thought the Panthers would just get the better of the Falcons in that one. And they did. Unfortunately, I didn't actually bet it because I just I wasn't I'm not confident enough to put money on the Panthers or the Falcons. <laughs> but if I was yeah. going to bet and if, if someone was asking me, I did say I like the Panthers. It was more of a lean than an actual. It bet. was really one of those like who's going to suck a little bit less. And that's normally a never a good sign to put your money on one of those games. And it was earlier in the week. And it was actually when I was talking with the end of the very beginning. Um, it was it was sitting there at minus three. And I was saying buy the extra point, take it down to, to two and a half. Cause I thought it could be that close and go figure that was where the line actually ended up going to, but it still did not work out at all. They got it closer in the end, but I think that score might actually be closer than what it felt like at times. Cause once you got up to a touchdown, I felt like it was an, a near impossible feat to try to come back in that game, but hopefully you guys stayed away for the most part from a fantasy aspect. There wasn't, there wasn't a ton to love fantasy wise. Um, so hopefully you didn't get burned too much on Thursday night, which has kind of been the case a little bit so far this year. But let's kind of start some things off here with our start sits for the week. And Cats, we'll leave things off with your first guy here. We got a big target here a couple weeks ago via one of the biggest trades and has a fantastic matchup here that I think just as an NFL fan, I'm looking forward to on Sunday night with the San Francisco 49ers playing host of Los Angeles Chargers. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo listed as a start for this week. So give me a little bit of insight on why should we be targeting and starting Jimmy Garoppolo here in week 10. Yeah, in leagues where I need a quarterback to fill in for my uh, starter who's could be on bye or injured or whatever it is, I wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. Didn't get him everywhere, unfortunately, but I really wish I did. He has now thrown two touchdown passes in four straight games. Uh, the Chargers do allow the 12th fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks, and I know that may deter some people but they haven't really faced any quarterback that's kind of been a quality option outside of Patrick Mahomes and Geno Smith. 
They're going to get Debo Samuel back. It's just a great spot for Garoppolo coming out of a bye in a game that could be a little bit higher scoring. So I'm really liking Jimmy Garoppolo this week as a very safe option who probably is kind of a lock for at least 15 points. And I'll take that for my QB1 in this 100%. season. 100%. I will take 15 points all day long right now. Because if you either took a, a high-end QB1 or you've been struggling streaming the position so far this year because so many of those late-round quarterbacks we were kind of banking on just haven't panned out. But the one that is starting to finally turn it around and become that quarterback a lot of us were kind of hoping he could be is Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears, who has a great matchup this week against the Detroit Lions. He's one of those guys, look, if he was out there on any waiver wires anymore, I think it was out, I think he was only rostered 44% when what when the waiver wire uh, ran this week. So I haven't checked to see what he's out at there right now, but it should be just darn near every single league out there right now. Since week five, only Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have averaged more uh, fantasy points per game than Fields. He's now finished with four straight games inside the top eight at the position. And believe it or not, he's not only been rushing great compared to the rest of quarterbacks around him, but over the last five weeks, Fields is 11th in rushing yards overall. Like as 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 a as an entire league, he's only sitting behind Dalvin Cook over that same period. I think we've seen a ton of growth from him just as a passer. He just just playing good football, and he's playing football as the quarterback who we we know he can be. And he's got a great matchup right here against the Detroit Lions, who sit uh, fourth highest in success rate amongst per dropback. They are the highest. They are the highest EPA per dropback, and a lot of the third most points to the position. Fields, who was once outside that QB1 territory and was on the bench for most leagues, he's now up inside the top five for me this week. And I'm actually putting him just ahead of Kyler Murray, who's taking on the Los Angeles Rams at number five. Justin Fields sitting as my QB14 on the week. Um, I think one more start, obviously, in this one, too. It's going to be the early game on on Sunday over there in Munich, Germany. Uh, Geno Smith taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's an interesting game. I actually... I don't love the European games too much just because it's you never know what you're going to get. And also, I don't want to wake up that damn early. I'll be honest with y'all. I'm not a morning person. Uh, but I think this is one that's actually just a fascinating game. We're trying to figure out, you know, can Tom Brady and this team kind of figure it out? Every single week you're going, hey, this is the week they do it. This is the week they do it. It's not been the week they do it. Um, I actually was... I'm kind of more favoring Seattle in this matchup. And I do like Geno Smith, who's sitting as a QB9 in points per game. Tampa Bay is not the the elite defense that we have seen in quite some time. Uh they've actually surrendered the eighth highest passing touchdown rate so far. Uh they're doing okay on a on a per dropback base, sitting on the sixth lowest EPA and third lowest yards per attempt. Um but I, I trust Geno Smith in this matchup actually more than I do Tom Brady. Uh so I would be starting Geno Smith here this week. But I think some quarterbacks who managers might not want to start uh, this week. And I think we were looking at one here in a, in a game with so many narratives, it's hard to keep track of anymore. And it seems to change every single time Jim Ursay gets a new thought in his head. But between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Indianapolis Colts, you've got Derek Carr listed as a sit for me this week. I know the Colts have a the – stre- the defense have been the strength of the Colts. And I know that the Raiders went out and brought in – Devonte Adams, but just hasn't worked out so far this year for Derek Carr. So, talk to me a little bit why you're leaving Derek Carr on the bench here in Week Ten. Yeah, Derek Carr is a been a weird quarterback this year because if you look at uh, the overall body of work, he does have five games with two touchdown passes. 
but he also has two with zero and another one with one. None with three or more. So you're not getting any ceiling games from him. You're hoping for a, a nice floor. And typically, those are going to come in games that are more higher scoring. Well, I don't really have much faith in the Colts to force the Raiders to have to throw the ball. Uh, the Colts allow the 10th fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. And like last week, Carr's coming off a game where he just disappeared in the second half. Now he's got, we, he's had no Darren Waller for a while. Now he's had no Hunter Renfro. It's really just Devontae Adams out there. And we've seen Derek Carr kind of bottom out twice, as I just mentioned. And I'm afraid it might happen again. And not even just because he plays poorly, just because he, he attempts like 25 passes and they just run the ball all game. Yeah, and that's I think that's always going to be the question. Right now, I mean, Josh Jacobs has been the the safest option in the entire in the entire defense. I'm sorry, offense uh, for the for the Raiders. So I think it makes sense to kind of lean back on him. But look, you paid all this money to bring in Devontae Adams. You got to use him. And it's not like the I mean, outside of Stephon Gilmore, Colts don't have a much don't have much back there on their secondary that kind of keep up with them. Uh, a couple more QB sits here this week, and I'm going to kind of group all these guys together. It's a bunch of young guys. I mean, sorry, a bunch of older guys who look like they're a little bit past their window. Starting this off with Matthew Stafford against Arizona um, in a game that just got a lot more interesting because while we've been recording, Cliff Kingsbury told reporters that Kyler Murray will be a game-time decision this week. Uh, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, we'll have to see what kind of happens with that one later on down the line. And it also sucks, too, the timing, like I said, is a 425 game. Uh, so we'll have to kind of get, make a decision on that well beforehand. More than likely, you've got to drop Kyler Murray quite a bit in rankings. Uh, kind of see what's going on that week. But if you guys do have questions on that, we will be around on Sunday morning doing our start sets and also in the PFN Discord answering your guys' questions and uh, also on Twitter as well. So feel free to hit us up on Sunday morning when we hopefully have more information on that game itself. He's not the only quarterback who had actually been uh, dealing with a little bit of injuries there. He's also had Matthew Stafford. Uh, who's doing, dealing with a concussion as well. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sitting him against Dallas. I just don't trust this passing game. That is just as discombobulated and dysfunctional as you could possibly imagine. And I think one of the person I'm staying away from is going to be Tom Brady. Um, like I said, every time you wonder, is this when Tom Brady's going to turn it around? It could very well happen this week. I'm not going to discount that at all. But he's sitting as the QB2 in points per game. And quite frank, frankly, his metrics they're just not aligning up to the quarterback that we used to see. Efficiency is just down this year. And quite frankly, Seattle's been pretty darn good on their secondary, something that was quite a bit of a difference over the last couple of years. They've finally been able to nail some of these quarterback uh, cornerback selections here. Seattle has held uh, quarterbacks to the eighth lowest passer rating um, and the third fewest yards per attempt over the last three games. Brady, for me this week, going to be a QB2, someone who I would sit despite his recent success when heading across the pond. Take a look at running backs now, and I think you're listing one that, that makes just too much sense with what's going on up there in Detroit with DeAndre Swift. You got Jamal Williams as a start. You think Jamal Williams right now is pretty much just a start just in general here moving forward over these next couple weeks, Cats? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very surprised at how frequently he shows up in start sit questions it's almost like people are just hesitant to trust jamal williams as this every week rb2 but that's what he's been i mean he has scored exactly two touchdowns four times this season last week deandre swift played a career low 16 percent of the snaps he looks healthy to me but he must not be because otherwise he would be on the field more and then last week jamal williams 61 percent of the snaps 
The Bears have allowed 15 rushing scores on the season. And you could do the math on this one. I think Jamal Williams finds the end zone, and that's a little uh, a little foreshadowing for maybe a prop that I have later in this episode. I mean, even when DeAndre Swift has been at full health, Jamal Williams is still getting a third down. He was still getting red zone and goal-to-go carries. That's not a surprise even when Swift is fully healthy. With last week, I kind of... I look at it a little bit differently than a lot of people. I know a lot of people look at it as Jamal Swift really just kind of taking over. I'm Jamal Swift. Wow. Yeah, yeah. essentially. There you go. Jamal Swift backfield. Uh, but no, Jamal Williams uh, really kind of taking over his role and role. And I think he has to some extent. But they said before the game, like a couple of days beforehand, that the plan was to use DeAndre Swift exactly like they did the week before. And that was exactly what we saw on Sunday. So to me, it was more so the Lions just sticking with what they said they were going to do than Jamal Williams for really taking a lot of things over. I think the health is going to be a concern, obviously. Um, Swift has said he's not sure he'll be 100% over the rest of the year. Um, but to me, I think it was just the, the Lions did what I expected them to do, just based off their own their own statements. And so we'll have to see how things kind of play out. But I'm with you. Jamal Williams, if you got him, you got to start him. I think the other case could be same thing could be said, too, for uh, Jeff Wilson, who... I was hesitant last week. He was someone who I was actually sitting just because I'm not a big fan of someone starting their first time with a brand new team. Um, and also on a, on a bit of a short week that normally for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait it out and see how things play out. But it was kind of unquestionable who was the more efficient runner, just who looked better between Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moser. Although both saw the exact same amount of the rushing attempts. You saw Jeff Wilson see the increase in the receiving game just under 10% of the target share on 13 routes. Did also more than doubled Raheem Mostert's red zone opportunities, 5 to 8. Played on 80, uh, 49% of the snaps, had 12 touches, 72 total yards as the RB8 on the week. And I think if you're looking at the explosiveness, he can match Raheem Mostert there. I think at this point, it's very much going to be probably a 1A, 1B, but of those two, I think I might actually now give the lean to Jeff Wilson as Mike McDaniel starts recreating San Francisco East down there in Miami and also love their matchup this week against the Cleveland Browns, who as good as they are running the ball themselves have been pretty poor at stopping. And so I think that's one to definitely keep an eye on with Jeff Wilson. I think one more game, uh, one more name. I'll kind of keep an eye on as far as our starters go. Dave Montgomery against the Detroit Lions. Lions, obviously awful when it comes to stopping uh, the ball. The only concern for Dave Montgomery is nothing to do with the opposing team, but it's coming from an impact on his own with Khalil Herbert. The Bears are willing to run, the, uh, ride the hot hand, and they have done that. And Look, I think Khalil Herbert looks more explosive whenever he touches the ball, similar to what we say down in Dallas with Zeke and Tony Pollard. But facing a defense like this that has allowed plenty of success, I think Dave Montgomery, assuming he gets the, the early reps, if he looks good early on, I think that would lead to him having a good game as it continues on. They probably don't pull him as quickly as they will. So I'll take Dave Montgomery as a starter for me this week. On the other side of the coin, we'll keep things also here in the NF, I'm sorry, in the uh, NFC North with AJ Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. Cats, it looked like there was potential AJ Dillon managers might be getting him as a locked-in option when Aaron Jones suffered his ankle injury, but it looks like Aaron Jones is going to be good to go this week after getting out there in practice. So are this is going to be one of those cases where you just don't see enough of the volume being pushed back over to A.J. Dillon, who just continues to be one of the more disappointing picks that you could have made in like the fourth to fifth round this year in drafts. 
I was actually hoping AJ or Aaron Jones drew, drew a questionable tag, which still might happen, but it seems like Jones is good to yep. go just because I can hammer home the point that I don't think AJ Dillon is startable, even if Jones doesn't play. I don't think he's roster. I just don't see. I mean, yeah, at this point, this the whole piece is behind AJ Dillon is you're getting the one B in an elite offense. Well, you don't have an elite offense. Exactly. It's the touchdown upside. He hasn't scored since week one. And he's averaging just 2.7 targets per game. So we're not getting any floor based on receptions. That's not very upside-y. No. <laughs> exactly. And specifically, the Packers are not blocking for A.J. Dillon. He averages just 1.2 yards before contact. And so he's got to create his own yards, right? Well, he's not doing that either. with just a 10% evasion rate. So we got a running back who is on a bad offense with a quarterback not playing well on a team that does not use him as the feature back. He doesn't catch passes. He's not getting goal line work. Like, What exactly is the hope here with A.J. Dillon? How could he possibly get to 10 fantasy points? I can't even figure it out. I can't even fathom a scenario in my head where A.J. Dillon finds his way to double digits. This is someone who I thought could average anywhere from like 14 to 15 fantasy points per game if Aaron Jones got hurt. If Jones doesn't play, I still don't think there's any upside here. So there's just no scenario where I would put A.J. Dillon in a lineup. You know, one day I wish you would just tell me how you really feel. But I know you say that a lot. That I'm, just, I'm not as you know, I'm not as strong in my opinion. I know. So, you know, I'm, I know working it's weird. I'm working on it. Um, but I think one situation where people have plenty of strong opinions about is the Washington Commanders. We're taking a look at Brian Robinson Jr. taking on the Philadelphia Eagles this week, and it's been just an absolute roller coaster for Brian Robinson in terms of his fantasy value, looking like he was going to take over the role as the locked-in guaranteed starter coming out of Alabama that we saw in the preseason. Then obviously there was the unfortunate incident that happened uh, off the field. Uh, which we just saw uh, a bit of a resolution come to, at least with a uh, a couple of arrests that were made during that. Um, but since he's came back, Antonio Gibson has actually all of a sudden saw a ton of value in his utilization here recently and has been the the better option for fantasy. So now Brian Robinson's kind of moved back into the shadows a little bit. And it's also, it's not a matchup that I want to face. I don't want to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, I know they've been, if you want to attack them somehow, you normally do it on the ground. Uh, and that was also, we kind of saw that demonstrated last week when Jordan Davis was out, but this team is just too much of a mess right now. Just on, and in every aspect, just every aspect of this organization is just a mess. Um, I mean, my God, we just saw them try to turn the release that there was going to be a, a conference about them and try to turn, somehow using Brian Robinson to train generative. It just infuriated me beyond belief at that point, but that's just par for the course at this point. But Brian Robinson, someone who I would be sitting this week. And I think one of them person is going to be Najee Harris uh, against New Orleans Saints. Saints do have a good run defense overall, but I think the biggest thing had just been comments that have been made by the organization themselves and by Mike Tomlin, basically saying that they're going to be giving Jalen Warren the ball more. He basically deserves it. He looks better when he's out there on a, on a when he's per rush. The power that we saw at Oklahoma State has transitioned over into the NFL. When you have an offensive line right now that, really ain't getting the job done for you. You can't dance around like Najee likes to do because he has the vision to normally pull that off. It's just not working out right now. And uh, Jalen Warren is kind of being the more decisive runner. So at this point, uh, I would be, I'd be sitting Najee Harris as he turns into one of the biggest disappointments that you could have taken out of the first round. And I was down on him. Um, I am in the mid, mid teens, but clearly I was not down on him enough as his Pittsburgh Steelers offense just, continues to uh 
struggle so far this year as they're looking they're staring down the barrel of one of their first losing seasons in quite some time and a top five overall pick in the 2023 nfl nfl draft let's run through receivers here you we both have two denver broncos receivers listed i went with jerry judy you went with Cortland sudden so give me a little bit of an insight here on your optimism uh for the denver broncos passing offense especially for how it could impact Cortland sudden someone mean you both absolutely adored coming into this year yeah, it's really unfortunate what's happened to Sutton, but let's just like kind of pump the brakes a bit on Sutton's funeral for fantasy because it's still just three down weeks, and one of which was with Brett Ripon and quarterback, and the other one was across the pond. And as we discussed, these these overseas games can be a little tricky with the time zone difference and all that. So I, I still think we can paint an optimistic picture on Cortland Sutton. It's really now or never for him. Broncos are coming off a win, and they're coming out of a bye. Rested, refreshed. Russell Wilson's banged up shoulder and hamstring should be much more recovered now and the titans are just horrific against wide receivers yep. they allow the third most fantasy points to the position but more specifically why i like sutton is that they can't defend the deep ball and sutton's average at the target is 12.5 yards which is 22nd in the league so i'm, I'm thinking ross hits on a deep one to sutton in this week and also adding to this is the titans actually have a really good run defense mm-hmm. so if we're if we're going to assume rational coaching which i understand is a bit optimistic on my part <laughs> The, True. the Titans, sh- the Titans should, sorry, the Broncos should come into this game with a pass heavy game plan because that is how you move the ball on a pass funnel defense. So I'm hoping that's what happens. And we see Russ attempt maybe 30, 35 passes in this one and Sutton can eat and there should be plenty for Judy as well. I think that's the biggest takeaway right there. What you just said in that, that last sentence, they both should eat. Judy should do as well. I think both both options should play well. And I, the reason I went with Judy was just based off the recent trends, even though I am still very much on Team Sutton. I'm not leaving that. Uh, it just from weeks one through five, you know, Sutton had a 20% target share. Uh, it was also 23rd in yards per hour run since week six. That's down below 17% in the target share. And his yards per hour run is down to 0.47 per route, which is just brutal he's still 10th in deep targets and actually has 18 red zone targets which is i think is more than we would expect based off his production so i think i think this is a good one for both players and the reason i was looking at jerry judy wide receiver 37 in fantasy so far but has three top 20 finishes in his last three games um i'm sorry in three of his last five games finished as a wide receiver 20 16 and 13 and during that time has 20 almost 21 percent of the targets and 24 percent of the air yards it's is Judy the player that we hoped he was going to be coming out of Alabama? No. Is this offense what we were hoping it was going to be in 2022? No. But do I still like this matchup and would favor either of these wide receivers? I think if you got him, do you start him? Yeah. I think start either of these wide receivers if you have them. I think they should have decent success, whether against Christian Fulton or Roger McCreary. I like both these guys uh, in this kind of matchup. Um, looking at a couple other names here real quick. Um, I've also got Judas Schuster listed uh, this week as a starter against Jacksonville. Quite frankly, I think he's close to a wide receiver one at this point, finally turning into the wide receiver we thought he would be with multiple games now above 80 yards. I know we had two string back-to-back of 100-plus, and he's really looking like that number one wide receiver for uh, Patrick Mahomes, even though he will never be number one in the red zone. That's always going to be Travis Kelsey. But so long as Juju kind of maintains his role and kind of leaves that number two kind of matchup between whether it's, you know, Mecole Hardman, whether it is Kadarius Tony, hopefully here at some point, or MVS. It definitely looks like those guys are playing for scraps to actually it's like really number three in the pecking order behind Juju and also behind Travis Kelsey. 
Also, starting Josh Palmer here this week against San Francisco. Palmer's kind of stepped up to bend that number one for the Los Angeles Chargers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out. Last week, like I said, acting as the de facto number one, saw 10 targets with a 23% target share, nearly 40% of the air yards finishing as the wide receiver 10 on the week. He's got six red zone targets this year, and while, while uh, San Francisco has been difficult against wide receivers, especially Tredavious Ford, I don't mind Palmer coming in here as a low end, a mid to low wide receiver to maybe even into flex territory just because of the matchup. Uh, looking at some sits over here, um, Gabe Davis against Minnesota. Really, this is just because of what's going on with Josh Allen right now. Don't know what the status is of him. And for someone who kind of thrives on vertical targets, Gabe Davis against Minnesota worries me a little bit, as would Adam Thielen. Just in the, it's just a not a good matchup. It's Buffalo. Like, it just is what it is. I have no problem playing, um, obviously, Justin Jefferson. He's a locked-in top three starter. But I think for me, Adam Thielen is someone who I'd be a little bit scared about, and I'd look more towards, like, you know, TJ Hawkinson if he needed that number two target uh, for Minnesota, although obviously he is rostered in basically every single league right now. Um, I think you have one listed on here, which is kind of interesting, a player who we kind of saw um, take a bit of a hit um, in terms of, like, in the media and apparently also the the view that a lot of people have him just kind of not showing up for his team last week and Brandon Cooks. He's pretty much been the only option outside of Damian Pierce, but I'm kind of with you. When I went through and did my rankings, he came in quite a bit lower for me. So talk to me a little bit about Brandon Cooks being a sit for you this week. I really hate that I drafted Brandon Cooks, even in just one league, because he's just not the type of player that I draft. He, because he was, he was built as this floor guy. He's not going to fail you, and he'll just give you a solid... And that's been season. the case for multiple years on multiple teams, despite multiple trades. I don't, it I don't has, the unfortunately, I was, I'm there with you. Yeah. Until this year. I mean, he's, he's going to play this week, but this is just an awful spot. Uh, the giants are just really good against receivers. And it's interesting because teams facing the giants, they try to beat them with receivers. They throw to receivers 63% of the time. That is one of the higher rates in the league, but the giants allow just 61% of their receiving yards, two receivers, one of the lowest rates in the league. So teams throw at receivers, they don't complete passes. Cooks has just two wide receiver two finishes on the season. Every other week, he's been a wide receiver four or worse. I, I just can't endorse uh, Brandon Cooks this week in a game where I think the Giants coming out of a buyer is going to hammer the Texans. Yeah, I kind of like that one too. Um, I definitely favor them on this matchup, and it's I'm kind of – yeah, I just don't love the idea of Brandon Cooks this week. Just not someone who I'm really interested in playing. Uh, I think someone else fitting that same criteria, Mikol Hardman, who was actually a DNP on Friday. He hasn't been ruled out yet officially, uh, still sitting as questionable. But Andy Reid did say, probably not playing this weekend. So I would avoid Mikol Hardman. So we'll see if that leads to some extra value for Kadarius Tony this week or that all will just head over towards MVS. We're going to wrap things up here real quick with some rapid fire on our tight ends. Looking at Gerald Everett as a starter this week against San Francisco in a difficult matchup. The volume is there because it really just comes down between Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, and Gerald Everett for uh, Justin Herbert this week. So fire up Gerald Everett here, and I'm going to do the same thing with Tyler Higby because, look, it's we figured it out at this point. Death, taxes, starting your tight against the Arizona Cardinals. We saw last week also with Noah Fant. I'm going to do the exact same here with Tyler Higby. Uh, fire up uh, your any any tight end you have against the Arizona Cardinals. And for the first time, I think this entire year, I'm going to say it. Cole Komet is a starter for fantasy. I, I didn't think I'd finally be able to say it, 
but we finally reached that point is one of the people who has benefited the most from Justin Fields kind of just resurgence uh, over the back half of this year has been Cole Komet, who had a touchdown uh, the week before and also just finished up with another couple of scores last week, finishing as the tight end to catching five of six targets for 41 yards. 14th and red zone targets now on the year. And I think just it's just the matchup you have to love. Lions are 24th in DVOA and are allowing the third highest catch rate, ninth highest yards per reception, and the fourth most receiving touchdowns to tight ends. There was ever a week t- to start Cole Komet. He's got the momentum and he's got the matchup. Uh, if you held on to him this long, I have no problem starting him. And I would start him over top of two guys like Robert Tanyan, who just doesn't have a good matchup against, Dow- um, against Dallas. They have the speed at linebacker to be able to trail any corner, uh, any tight end in the NFL. They just don't match up well, and I'm just kind of worried overall about this Packers uh, passing game. And also Mike Gazeki, just just so hit and miss. Talent is undeniable, going all the way back to his days at Penn State. We've seen what he can do with uh, Miami, but also we know this Miami game passing attack is not built around the tight end. It is built at wide receiver with Jalen Waddle and with Tyree Kill. So I will be sitting. Mike Gazeki here in week 10. Like I said, using some guys, maybe potentially like Gerald Everett, Hinkby, or Cole Komet in their place. Maybe potentially even David Ajoku, someone to kind of keep an eye on if he plays this week. And even if he doesn't, someone who I would consider picking up off the waiver wire alongside Greg Dolchich uh, to kind of help fill out some of your needs. But I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at Pickett. Are you tired of tracking your bets on messy spreadsheets? Well, Pickett, the best bet tracking app on the market, makes it quick and easy to track all of your bets out across all of your sports books. You can track your bets, shot the best lines, and sweat them out with a community of avid sports fans just like yourself. Sign up today using promo code PFN365, and you went up to $100 for free. Pickett is 100% free and easy to use, so what are you all waiting for? Remember, that is promo code PFN365 to sign up today and get $100 at your first deposit. Uh, Taking a look at some of the, the interesting trends here on the PF, on the, uh, on the the Pickett community, looking also with the PFN tab over there, kind of checking out the things on that line. I think one of the interesting ones is Cleveland and Miami. Miami right now getting three and a half points on the money, on the uh, on the spread. Clear favorites. I think it's the case with eighty over 85% of the money and the volume on Miami to cover the money line. But I think it gets completely inverted when you look at the spread with Cleveland getting 84% of the money to cover the spread and 58% of the volume. I'm a little surprised it's that much on Cleveland to cover. I actually would have thought Miami would be well above three and a half points given the explosiveness of their offense. Um, oh, oh, 63% and 50% of the... Uh, money and the volume are also on the over on this one. I think it does make a little bit more sense. Are you surprised at all cats on some, on a situation like this where you see all of the money going to one side, but the complete opposite where the other team is getting all the money to cover spread, especially on one like this, where it's not necessarily a high spread figure. It's, it's surprising to me when I have, when I see a high amount of money and volume on a favorites money line, because typically you would see things more around 50% or give or take a little bit on a spread because the spread is designed to even things out between two teams that are not even in terms of just who will win and lose. But money lines, people like to take shots on, on the plus value. That's commonly what you're going to see in betting trends, but not here. I think people are just buying into the Dolphins as this legit, like third best team in the AFC. And I mean, yeah. I, I kind of am too. This is a tricky spot though. I mean, based on this line, uh, if I was going to bet this game, which I am not, uh, I would take the Browns just because I think that that is the right side here. And I 
just don't necessarily want to be with all of where that money is. But I, I, it's still surprising to see so much on the Dolphins. Yes. I think it's just because you just got to lay so much. I mean, Dolphins coming at a dollar seventy favorites, uh, minus one seventy five, or you can just take the three and a half points at minus one hundred five. I think it's just because of the difference of how much you got to lay if you want to take them on the money line. I think I, I think they actually probably do cover, um, but I understand some of the trepidation on either side. I think one game that I'm probably going to be staying away from for the most part, unless I'm taking the total, and that's going to be Indianapolis and Las Vegas. Everything is favoring Las Vegas in terms of the spread. 90% of the money, 83% of the volume is favoring Las Vegas in this one, which isn't necessarily surprising because the Indianapolis Colts Colt coach situation. Vegas comes in at four and a half point favorites. They're also favored on the, on the uh, money line itself too. I'm sorry, they're also favored on the spread itself too at 55.8% uh, and 35. But when you look at the uh, game total, 99.6% of the volume is on the under 88.5% of the money is on that as well. I don't think I've seen one where it is that that universally said, hey, we're all taking the under at the 38.5. And honestly, I can't necessarily say I blame them. Is this one of those ones where cats were because it's so universal, you're like, okay, I'm just going to stay off of it. If anything, I'd have to take the over just because I just, I'm never going to side with, with that level of, of, uh, unanimity on one side that just never works out I mean Vegas is too smart for that but I think it's just because people watched the Colts play offense last week with Sam Ellinger quarterback and can't really understand how they're going to score any points and I share that sentiment but I think there's a really good yeah. there's a real chance this week that would, Jeff Saturday has been brought in here I kind of it's a complete surprise but if he wants to make a name for himself as a potential coach it is in his best interest and we have to believe that he is going to do everything that he believes gives his team the best chance to win because that's what reflects best upon him. Well, that's not Sam Ellinger. And this team goes into halftime and Ellinger's got 50 passing yards and on, on three of like eight attempts. I, I don't know how we don't see Matt and Ryan in the second half who Saturday did say will be active and healthy as the backup. And if that happens, well, Ryan's still, I know Ryan's washed, I get it, but he's still competent enough. He's still, his brain still works to manage this offense to score points. We've seen him do it. We saw this team beat the Chiefs. So I think the, Colts with Ryan, even in one half, could be enough to push this game over a really, really low total for a team that for two teams that do have offensive weapons. They just we're just not buying into the coaching situation right now. It's when you do these things long enough, like you start developing rules. Like, okay, if, if something happens, like X happens, I know what I'm doing. When a coach gets fired, that's one of those ones where I'm I'm instantly saying, I'm taking that team to cover. Screw it, because they've got heart. They're all in this week. And this is one of those where it's like, I just want to take the Colts plus four and a half just for the spite of it. Just to see them go out there and play well for Jeff Saturday. And also kind of a little bit of a get back at, um, at Josh McDaniels, who, uh, you know, kind of left them sitting at the altar not that long ago. So I think it's just an interesting one there. Uh, a couple other ones that I do want to highlight here real quick. Definitely everyone is favoring San Francisco over top of the Chargers week with 91% of the money coming in on San Francisco money line, but the spread definitely changes things out with the chargers, uh, 57% of the money, 50% of the volume to cover the spread, but actually everything is piling it on the under 92 and a half percent of the volume is on the under at 45.5, which I think makes sense. The other one that you were seeing the under now really starting to take off is going to be the Falcons and the Rams. I'm sorry, the, uh, the Cardinals and the Rams, 
65% of the uh, action over there on Pickett favoring the Cardinals money line. 77% of the volume is on the Cardinals cover the spread, but 90% is on the under, which is continuing to fall at the moment. Earlier in the week, I took it at 44 and a half. It's now all the way down to 40.5. Um, and I think that's just going to kind of keep going, especially with this latest news of Kyler Murray. Um, because it doesn't sound like he's going to be uh, at full health for this weekend based on the latest news that we heard from Cliff Kingsbury earlier today. Want to win a free $150 bet this NFL season? Well, as a new user over on Barcelona Sportsbook, you can bet $20 and win $150 on games. Uh, if either quarterback in your game you bet on completes one or more passes, just head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and check out the latest betting promos to claim this offer today. Cats, you've got several uh, different props and also especially a couple touchdowns here we're kind of going to. So I'll kind of give you the floor here. Give us some of your favorite bets here for week 10. Yeah, I'll start with a quick recap on the Thursday night game. I had Drake London under 39.5 receiving yards. And that was one line that kind of went away really quickly. And it just stresses the importance of of uh, getting on these lines very early because they tend to move quickly because that line was at 35.5 by game time or shortly after even I bet this. And well, that lost. He went over that number, but under my number. So I won my bet. And if anyone saw my bet and saw it late and said, hey, I'll take it anyway, 35.5. Well, you lost those four yards and you lost the bet. So it's 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 really unfortunate when that happens. But try to get on these things early. And there's a couple that I've locked in already. The first thing that I locked in right away was Saquon Barkley over 93.5 rushing yards. And that's just because the Texans cannot stop the run. Um, that line is still kind of there, which I'm surprised. I thought it would be a little higher. Uh, but we saw the Texans give up 200-plus yards to Derrick Henry, they are a run funnel defense. I think that the Giants coming out of the bye, like we discussed earlier, are going to hammer the Texans. A lot of Saquon Barkley. I think he has like 25 carries this week. I think he flies he flies over that number. But uh, we're going to go into the touchdown props now. I've actually got three then this week after I had none last week. Ooh. Uh, Tommy and I discussed earlier how much we like Cortland Sutton. I'm taking him to score a touchdown. On Fandle, you can get Sutton to score a touchdown at plus 250. Titans allow the third most touchdowns per game to wide receivers. So I like that one. Next guy. Also discussed him earlier, Jamal Williams, plus 115 on Caesars. Bears have allowed 15 rushing touchdowns this season, and Jamal is fourth in the league with 26 red zone carries. So Jamal Williams, I think he punches in one this week as well. And then finally, Josh Jacobs, even money on DraftKings. He has not scored in the last two weeks. I mean, the Colts with Sam Ellinger, I think they're going to keep the Raiders in neutral to positive game script all game. And the Colts... The way to beat them is by running the ball. They have a very good pass defense, not as good on the ground. So I think that with the Colts' run funnel defense, Josh Jacobs, he's going to find the end zone now for the first time in three weeks. So those are my three anytime touchdown props of the week. I love touchdown props because that means we're going to get some fancy points. And quite frankly, we deserve it because this year has not been fun for fantasy. And I can't take another slow slow day of watching a red zone this week. And I, I need points on the board. Uh, because my fans teams have not been playing well as of late, but we have an answer. We have an answer for that with our friends over at underdog fantasy. So I want to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. And it's underdog fantasy with their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite in some cases, player stats and pick whether they'll end up with a higher or lower total in that week's game. And you can up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your pick em entry, get all of them right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. 
Sign with promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy, promo code PFN. Get in on the action today. There's going to be a little bit of a rehashing of some of the names we kind of talked about earlier. And one of those actually we were talking about sitting Russell Wilson for fantasy, but that doesn't mean he can't have a good day in other platforms. And cats, you've got Russell Wilson listed on here. Taking a look at his passing projection of 226.5 passing yards. And while he might not have an upside to make it into your starting fantasy roster, does he have enough to make it into your pick him over there on underdog? We are switching things up today, and I'm sure people who like offense will be happy that I'm on some hires this time. Uh, actually got three of them, only one lower so far. And the first one is Russell Wilson higher than 226.5 passing yards. He has gone higher than this number four times this season. And I just, I'm just banking on the fact that, as we discussed earlier, this is a pass funnel defense. You cannot run on the Titans, but you can throw on them. And I'm expecting Russ to come out throwing. Even in just 30 pass attempts against the Jaguars before the bye, he threw for 252 yards. If he can get to 30-plus this week, I think that there will be enough in the way of efficiency against a team that struggles against the deep ball for Russ to surpass 226 passing. I think he gets to around 250 this week. And I think that he's going to take with him his new tight end, Greg Dulcich, whose projection is set at 40.5. That was at least the opening one. I mean, I'm, I'm just playing the numbers here. He's played yeah. three games. He has gone higher than this number all three times. I think it's too low. I know that the initial reaction might be, oh, well, they must know something. Maybe it's a little bit of a trap. I don't really think that that uh, when it comes to props. I just think that they're they're based on the overall projection of the game, and that's what Dolce's came in at, and I think that just doesn't account for how big of a, how big of a part of the offense he has already become. I like Dolce's higher than 40.5 uh, receiving yards. I don't think people are giving Greg Dolchich enough credit for what he's been doing over these last few weeks. Or is that just me? I just, I feel like the timing of his return and everything, he kind of was activated from that first game, just under the radar, only had three targets. Yes, he caught the long touchdown, but still just three targets. No one really thought about it. Then the following week, it was, uh, it was the Brett Rippon game. And it was just an ugly game where there were 25 total points and people's reaction was, oh, nothing really happened that game. Well, nothing happened except Dolchers had nine targets. And then we had the game in London, 9.30 in the morning. Yes, it's on a national stage, but it's early in the morning. And again, he didn't score. Uh, Perhaps maybe that opened people's eyes more to him. But yeah, I I agree. I think he's just flying a bit under the radar. And I think that if he has another game with 50-plus receiving yards, we're going to see this projection tick up at his base level beginning next week. Yeah, I mean, after spending the first five weeks on the IRR, Dolchitz has a 16% target share and is finished as a tight end 11, 7, and 9, respectively, in weekly scoring. Plus, his 182 receiving yards is the most by a tight end in his first three games in NFL history. Like, the guy's really good. So the fact you're getting at that that higher 40.5 uh, before we see a lot of correction, I love that. But I know you've got a couple more here, and we're looking at another quarterback, and this is one of the few ones where you're actually a bit more pessimistic on their outcome, but it's no surprise. We were also pessimistic on his number one option at receiver, and that's in Davis Mills at 206.5 passing yards. I kind of spoiled it a little bit, but go ahead and tell me higher or lower on Davis Mills here in Week 10. This is the one lower that I've got so far. Davis Mills has thrown for 154 yards or fewer in three of his last four starts. We just discussed how well the Giants defend wide receivers. And, I mean, who is Davis Mills throwing to if not Brandon Cooks and potentially Nico Collins? The Giants are shutting them down. I just don't see any real 
hope there for Mills to throw the ball. Plus, we know that they want to lean on Damian Pierce, who had 27 carries against the Eagles in a losing effort. I mean, even in negative game strip, they're going to run the ball. So I think Davis Mills doesn't even get close to 200 yards this week. And I've got one more that we're going here. Um, that is Dalton Schultz, higher than 31.5 receiving yards. And this one isn't overly complicated. It's similar to the Greg Dulcich philosophy. Uh, the Packers are actually pretty pretty good against tight ends. But in Dulcich's, in, sorry, in Schultz's three games with Dak Prescott, his receiving yards totals have been 62, 49, and 74. This is very surprising to me to see it so low at just 31.5. So we're taking Dulcich higher than that number. Uh, I'd love to give you guys more underdog plays, but we've got a lot of players questionable with injuries. And as a result, underdog and these platforms just can't put out these, these uh, projections yet because we just don't know who's playing. So be sure to check out or be on the lookout for my Sunday morning underdog props article as that will have my full slate of picks for Sunday. And then also we'll have plenty of those also listed over in the PFN Discord. And then also over on uh, over on Pickett, you can see all of our uh, our plays and all this stuff because uh, Underdog, we have those over there as well connected. And so you can kind of see all the different plays that we have. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on iHeart, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast at. Also, continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Plus, remember to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content for PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup and waiver wire advice, plus a Sunday morning start set and even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. It's also never too early to get started on your 2023 mock drafts by heading over to the PFN MDS, which you can find over at ProFootballNetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Cats over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and myself at TommyGarrettPFN. Speaking for Jason, I'm Tommy. Good luck this weekend, and we'll see you guys on Monday for another episode of the show.